because if if I were to support a candidate who was a cannibal, <laughs> but he was in line with me, what he was in line like? with me politically, right? I'm going to get my judges. I'm going to get, you know, whatever programs I want passed. But, I mean, homeboys eating people, right? So... If if at if I get to the voting booth and I go, all right, this guy's a little problematic. <laughs> He's eating people. He's That's eating a lot people. Problematic. And I I mean honestly, it's not even just a few people. It's quite a quite a number of people. <laughs> like every Friday night, he's hitting the buffet. Oh, gross. So, am I willing to tolerate cannibalism in my president? Knowing that he'll have access, by the way, to many more people to eat if he becomes president. Here's but the thing. am I willing to tolerate cannibalism in order to get what I want politically? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I get a bottle of wine, and I present everything to Mark. And then he pontificates. This week is a hodgepodge. I'm finally giving Mark his shining hour with white nationalism. And then our conversation kind of wanders all over the place. We talk about Jordan Peterson. We talk about philosophers. We talk about postmodernism. We talk about the academy. So it's kind of a heavier, heady episode, but also hopefully a little bit amusing. So thank you very much for coming and listening to us each week. We hope you come back again. If you like us, please share us with a friend. And stay tuned to the end for all of our social media details. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. <laughs> Guess what tonight is going to be about? This is totally extemporaneous, you guys, because I have not given him any kind of heads up. He yeah, has no I mean, idea. How would I even know? This is going to be, we're going to do kind of a combo podcast. We're going to let it see where it goes, but we are going to start off with Mark's favorite subject. White nationalism? White nationalism. All right. Here's why. It's not really my favorite. I mean, it's kind of strange <laughs> to call it my favorite subject. <laughs> well, here's why. Because we were a part of a podcast last night that got very, very heated around the subject of racism and white nationalism, and um, people were offended um, because of some of the stuff that was going on. So why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown, a hot take by, on what that by, was all about. By the way, mm-hmm. it is a bit rich that people got offended in a discussion about race held by six white people. <laughs> six white people. So, um, But yeah, people were, you know... Someone felt like they got called racist or it was implied and people don't agree about some things are racism, whatever. So, yeah, it got a little little spicy, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm all about. Well, so the, 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 what happened is one of the folks on the, the panel with us is a libertarian. And yes. it was said by one of the other folks that uh, libertarians, uh, that that would be the place where, you know, like, White nationalists go to vote because it's a permissive, open, small government haven for racists. <laughs> I think that was kind of his point. Yeah. I mean, it was exactly his point. And the libertarian said that's nonsense because he was, of course, feeling like he was call- being called a racist, which, in you know, he kind of was a little mm, bit. I don't know about that. I don't think it. But- I think it was more like your political home 
is a bit of a haven for racists. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you've welcomed them into your house. You may not be one of them, but they did not check their racism at the door. That's true. He did take pains to say that this, that to, he said, you are smarter than that. I'm not saying that you yourself are, but if racists are going to go anywhere to vote, they're going to go there. But see, the thing that I thought that was a little bit weird because I suppose his argument is that libertarians vote Republican. They basically do. There is such a thing called a left-leaning libertarian. I don't I'm not even 100% sure I understand what that means. But for the most part, when we in this country talk about libertarianism, we're talking about right-leaning libertarians, and for the most part since we are, you know, as we discussed in our uh, politics podcast, we are a two-party country and likely will be for the foreseeable future, they're going to find a a uh, un- they're going to find a home under the umbrella of the Republican Party, and the Republican Party certainly adopts libertarian-ish policies from time to time, or at least give lip service to it. So yes, those that's where those people go. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, this fellow became very, very upset because I don't think that he is a racist. I, I don't. No, I don't, I think, don't he think, think that he is. And and in the same way that you take a broad brush and say that. Anybody who votes for Trump is semi-racist. Well, that overstates it a little, but we can leave that hanging for a while. Mm -hmm. Sure. I do. Well, here's the thing. You can speak in generalities about a group. What you ought not do is then take that generality and impose it on an individual. Mm -hmm. So I can say, for example, that uh, whatever... Ronald Reagan supporters are cons- were conservative. Well, by and large, they were. But that does not mean that if you took every single person who voted for Ronald Reagan, lined him up and walked up to one of them and said, you must be a conservative, that you're going to be right. Right? You could be very wrong about the individual, still generally correct about the group, but wrong about the individual. And that's kind of the principle I feel that people should use in many different areas where you can generalize about a group when it's useful. I mean, obviously, you know, not when it's discriminatory or horrible or whatever or inaccurate, but you can generalize about a group, but then you must judge the individual as an individual, right? If I say, you know, most X are Y, that doesn't mean that I can go up to every single Y and say, you are definitely an X, mm-hmm. right? That just doesn't follow because I'm speaking in generalities and not specifics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I I take um, issue when you make those kinds of statements. Because Have you considered taking umbrage? <laughs> I was going to say umbrage. I would like for you to take umbrage. <laughs> it's a little spicier. You know what I mean? It's a little got a little bit more kick to it. But I, I no. Well, so I, I have, I have an issue with with you doing that, and I've, I've expressed it because I think it's unfair. I think that there are certainly, I agree with you that somebody who is a white nationalist is is probably not going to vote for the Democratic candidate. I understand that. I understand that they will probably b- vote for the conservative candidate or the Republican candidate. 
I get it. Keep in mind, I did not say that all conservatives are racist or that all Republicans are racist. No, you said anybody. You have uh, you're on record in last week's podcast, and you are gonna and you've said and last night's podcast with the political podcast that we did for um, the political paradigm shift page that the vast majority of Trump's core supporters are in one way or another. You know, uh, on the same page as white nationalism. They're white nationalists. You also said that anybody who supports Trump in this re- election is okay with a certain amount of racism. Sure, because he's exhibited a certain amount of racism. In fact, he's exhibited an exorbitant amount of racism, and that's a lot of exhiba uh, words right in a <laughs> row there. But he's he's shown himself to be a not just a casual racist, right? Not like. Uh, you know, uh, of the patrician New Englander type of, of racist. He's shown himself to be a pretty virulent racist, right? I mean, particularly particularly after the uh, the Minnesota speech about good genes. And, yeah, right. And, but he know. even before that, right, he has a long history, and we can talk about that later if you feel like it. You're the boss. But um, he has a long history of blatant, like not even thinly veiled, right? Obvious racist dog whistles, obvious racist uh, attitudes, uh, you know, racist insults. He's a racist. He's a racist. And you can't really, I mean, are you saying you can't suspend for a moment, you want your party to win. Right. In order for your party to win, you go, God, this guy's a Dick, and I don't stand for anything that he stands for, but I want my party to hold on to the White House. Right. And I'm not talking about even necessarily, and there may be some few who kind of hold their nose and like, look, all I really care about is the Supreme Court or whatever, right? But you ha- those people have to realize that they are now willing to tolerate a fair amount of racist behavior in order to get what they want politically. And that, to me, kind of racist. The thing is, is that how much damage can he do from a racism perspective? I don't think he wants to really do anything to harm. Oh, I disagree. I I think that his attitude is is sets the tone and permission level for a fair amount of racist as fuck activities in his name. Right. That I agree with you. He he does. He does allow for um, Laura, Laura from from last week's episode said it. He let the dogs out, and he he has that has happened. Yeah, um, and, and he so, winks and he winks and nods at that kind of behavior. And now you've seen the not that these people weren't racist before, right? They were probably racist before. You're not going to become racist because you listen to Donald Trump. But these people who were already racist feel emboldened, and you have these groups like the Proud Boys and the Boogaloos and these militias that now feel emboldened. And, by the way, you have even law enforcement officers, sheriffs, who are kind of closely aligned with some of these militias, who are now taking their cue, saying, guys, I know we had to kind of pretend like we weren't racist for a few decades, but now you don't have to pretend that anymore. And I do think that that has has lasting damage, right? It could very well uh, have influenced some of the Black Lives Matters uh, killings that took place, right? I mean, not the 
they were not Black Lives Matters killing, but the ones that gave rise to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and it's just it just taints the entire country. And by the way, makes us look like disgusting racist criminals to the rest of the world. And people always poo-poo that, but that's because they don't understand that international relations can be important and are important, especially in a global uh, economy the way we live right now. So yeah, I think you can do lasting damage. Now, is it irreparable? Probably not, right? You could probably set the record straight, but four more years would definitely extend the repair period if there was one. So I think, yeah, you can definitely do lasting damage. I, I mm, you know, the thing is, is I suppose that, that the Republicans who are not virulent racists, who are just sort of t- saying what I'm saying, which is, oh, I just, you know, I want to make sure that we, you know, protect the court or that we, you know, we keep the presidency. Because look, here's the reality. They're, the Republican Party are not, they're not going to continue to win. As, as time goes on going forward, more and more it's going to, the country is going to shift left. That is just what is happening. That is yeah, the demographic but then trend. But then they'll shift left with it because they're going to protect their power base right? uh, but they're but the, uh, but i think i think that we're gonna even we're gonna have left and then far left i think that it's gonna you know the republican will become first of all we the, bear in this country compared to the rest of the world we barely have a left okay right? i mean if you compare what we consider to be a fairly radical left candidate bernie sanders right mm-hmm. he's middle of the road in europe um although they definitely have their uh nationalist uh, movements. Well, sure they do. I mean, look at Brexit. Yeah, Brexit, uh, Le Pen in mm-hmm. France, uh, Poland now is is ha- has some kind of crazy nationalist uh, uprisings in some areas, which you would think, you know, given how World War II went for them, that they might shy away from a little. But you know, mm-hmm. we don't remember history that well, I suppose. <laughs> but um, as I'm sure you can attest. But, um, yeah, so they're definitely currently to the left of us and have a greater tolerance for that sort of thing um, for whatever reason. I mean, I don't have a conclusion on that. So I have often felt that you have overstated the level of white nationalism. You have said that, yes. And, uh, and I don't know why that is because I recognize that there's racism. I understand that there's institutional racism. I understand that the entire system in which we live – is is you know a racist system full stop it just is it's racist it's sexist you know it's the patriarchy you know and it is really set up to benefit the few i mean that is the way that that societies break down they break or break into hierarchies i mean and it is it is what it is um but i recognize that the system is racist and flawed and sexist and flawed and and not necessarily friendly to Different sexualities and different genders and things like that. But I thought that you were overstating the white nationalism thing by a bit. Well, maybe, but But then I've done some research. Oh, well, that's what your thing is, right? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And it turns out in Florida alone, there were were 67 hate groups that are being tracked in Florida, Florida alone. Yeah, that's a fair amount. And some of these are so strange. 
Um, you know, <laughs> some of them are they're, the ones They're not that, all <laughs> rational uh, bridge clubs. No, I mean. but I mean, so you get what you would, you, you know, the KKK, it's Florida, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean, I'm sure that they're nationwide, but anyway, we've got that. We've got um, party groups that are, are um, described as white nationalist. Then you go into something called Neil Volkish. What? Neil Volkish. Is that like a Star Trek thing? <laughs> it's it's very it's based in like folk religion. Okay. Um, That's got to be a fairly fringe group. But though. with a white nationalist. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, racial purity. Yeah, but there is like that Christian identity. Um, there's which is, Christian identity, yeah. um, neo-Nazi. Then they have something that they just call general hate. So they just General hate. hate. It's like what? angry fucking guys. And, and, Anti-Muslim. Anti-LGBTQ. But then I wonder, is it just that? I mean, how are they... That group just hates the gays? I think that's just their major focus. Their I major get, focus I got to feel like, though, gays, if you hate like, one, if you if hate If you hate one group, you're not going to be like, I hate the gays, but I'm okay with, like, people yeah. of color. Yeah, I, I find that, yeah, unlikely. Um, there, there, there are racist skinheads. There are neo-Confederates. Oh, yeah. They and and so th- that that group is named Identity Dixie. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. That's statewide. Mm-hmm. Some of them, um, one of them is like an anti-LGBTQ is it's in in uh, Gainesville. All right. That is their headquarters. Well, because in Florida, the farther north you get, the more southern you get. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is just a that's a the uh, rule of Florida. But um, so then they have uh, black separatists. Um, it's just un- I was like when I looked at it. I mean, and I checked. You know, I checked um, sort of what what's going on countrywide, and it is. It's it's all over the country. It's in every state. And then here it is in Florida, and it is. What did I say? Sixty three. Sixty three yeah. groups. So there's a lot. All right. So what else do you feel that you need to say about white nationalism? really bad. Huh? It's really, really bad. bad. <laughs> no. So people always tend to, it's kind of strange. We both under appreciate the level of racism in this country, but we also over, uh, I don't even know how to say it. We also tend to blow it a little bit out of proportion. And this is what I mean by that. When I say the, a large number of a certain group are aligned in some way with white nationalism, everybody thinks, you just accuse me of being one of those guys that are in one of those crazy-ass groups, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the extreme, you know, violent, potentially crazy extra racists, right? They're like really, really racist. Most racism isn't like that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not that super virulent, you know, terrible strain of it. It's more of a kind of a casual racism. I won't go so far as to say that it's unconscious because I think, you know, whether you're pretty racist, maybe not. I mean, you could definitely have some thoughts and not realize, hey, maybe that was kind of a racist thing to think. But I mean, if you are pretty much. You know, you you check all the boxes, right? You you want uh, White History Month, right? You want you you're super anti Black Lives Matter. You hate immigration. Now there are individual reasons why you could pick all these issues, right? 
But for the most part, these guys are going to check these boxes. Uh, you believe that uh, the Confederate flag is heritage, not hate, right? Um, you wish that we could go back to a simpler uh, time, which uh, almost always means a whiter time, mm-hmm. right? And you're concerned about the racial mix-up or makeup rather of the country, mm-hmm. like you're you're concerned that it's going to get too brown or whatever, right? So. Those people are, and they can be perfectly nice people otherwise, right? They could be your neighbor, guy you went to college with, whatever. But they're still, their identity is pretty centered upon white nationalism, right? I'm a patriot. I support. Do you feel like you know, if you're a patriot, you have to no, be no, a white no, no. But I'm just saying this is their, kind of the language that they use. This is how yeah. they see it. I think I'm a patriot. I love this country. I recognize bad things about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's realistic. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm talking about the kind of superficial, blind patriotism, mm-hmm. America love it or leave it. Uh, you know, let's you know play the national anthem uh, before we go out and mow the grass type of thing. You know, whatever. God, that's a but, that's a lot. It is a lot. But I mean, I think I think that that's when I say that the majority of this group is their identity is largely driven by white nationalism. That's what I mean. They don't understand other cultures. They don't want to understand other cultures. They miss a time, and maybe this time didn't even really exist, right? I mean, most nostalgic yearnings are somewhat unrealistic, but it was definitely a wider, less diverse country back in whenever, whatever decade they're yearning for, the 50s often, uh-huh. right? And... Uh, that's really what they want. Now, they're not going to be advocating for slavery, right? They're not those people. Mm-hmm. They're not lynching people. They're not uh, cheering those kinds of people. So these are just low level. Then there's the extreme. I would say that at least with some of those people, you you, you know who they are. Like if, if, oh, I, was, yeah. if I was a person of color um, and, okay, this, I'm not comparing, you know, um, misogyny to racism – but when you when you when you meet a, a man who clearly thinks that women are less than or less capable right. or whatever it is, you can see yeah, and they're and they're vocal about it. You can yeah. see and they're they angry about it. And you can right? you can deal with that, right? But then there are just the low key, very low key. And I would say, you know, as I've been thinking through this subject and and doing some research on it, me. Sort of going, there's not that big of a problem. That's actually racist. Because I would say that I'm not fully understanding the scope of it. I get it. I know it. I know it logically. I've seen it in action. I wouldn't condone it. I would stand up if I saw it. I would do something about it. I wouldn't just kind of go like, you know, like ignore it or be afraid to speak up on behalf of someone. Right. Um, who was being uh, targeted, I would certainly say something. Um, But I would, I mean, you're goddamn right that if I see some person being harassed by police, I'm going to record it. Like, if I'm in that situation, I will absolutely stand there and be an ally. But I I think that even in the sense of me kind of going, but things are better. I mean, it's not slavery time anymore. Right. It's not Jim Crow anymore. Right. You but know, that's a fairly I, low bar, right? I mean, I mean right. We're, they're no longer being, you know, habitually murdered 
right? No, except I mean, they kind of are, but not in this no, great a number. No, no, not 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 in the same way. But, but they yeah. are, and 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 also they face they face hurdles that I I can't understand. Like right. I I cannot understand. And that is the danger of us as white people trying to. I mean, you should think about the issue. Obviously, if you don't, that's how these systemic racist policies stay in place, right? Yeah. If you just don't think about them. But, you know, there's only so much I can do to understand the true scope of it, right? Right. I just try, I try to do the best I can, but I also recognize my limitations. Like, I've never actually had to face that. Yeah. I'm the, you know, I'm the paragon of privilege in this country, right? Mm-hmm. With the exception of having been born extremely wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, white, cis, gendered, straight, male... You know, uh, born in, well, okay, I wasn't born in this country, but um, born a citizen of this country. Both my parents were, et cetera. Uh, we've been in this country for over almost 400 years. So I don't have any of those challenges to really, you know, drive that lesson home, mm-hmm. which, you know, lucky me, right? But I, there's only so much <laughs> I can understand. incredibly flip. <laughs> well, I, it is lucky. I mean, I, you, that's, that's when I was talking about how much I, I do love this country. I, I recognize that it's not because, of anything amazing that I did. Like mm-hmm. when you say you're a proud American, mm-hmm. it's not because I made America great. I was, I'm fortunate to have been born in this country mm-hmm. for all of its warts. It's a pretty great place to be born. In fact, it's probably the best place to be born. But, you know, I, I, you have to recognize its, its, uh, its uh, shortcomings as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit away from white nationalism if you feel like that's an okay thing to do. It's this is a tangent, but it's Yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay. So one of the things that I struggle with and and as a as a feminist historian in graduate school and um you know, gender historian, I <laughs> I always struggled with this because um and it's political correctness. And I wonder, does it, is it, is it a good thing? Is political correctness, does it work? Because here's the thing. You can, you can mandate what, I mean, you could even get to the point, like in Canada, I believe, they have now um, made it illegal in schools I think some universities, universities have, have, not be have able, said that you have you, to use the correct gender pronouns. Right. Which I think is, I mean, so, I, and I, we, I know we have a future episode that uh, may deal with this. What about Jordan Peterson? Yeah. But, uh, and I mean, he's a little precious about it too, so. Well, but I mean, I think here, here again. But here's the you thing. Know, you haven't You're, watched the documentary yet, so you have to watch it. I watched it. The whole Jordan Peterson documentary? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I watched 10 minutes of it. Yeah, no. Isn't that enough? No. All right, so political correctness, like almost anything, can be good and bad, right? First of all, a certain amount of political correctness is just being a well-mannered human being, Uh right? Um, And that means not using uh, racial epithets when referring to people. (laughs) <laughs> right? That's fairly, I mean, that is po- technically political correctness, right? Right. But I think we can expect that of each other in, in a society. Um, if someone has decided that they are most comfortable identifying as a particular gender, uh-huh. let them. That's what decent people do. 
And to get angry about their choices is, again, it seems ridiculous. It doesn't hurt you if that person sees themselves as a woman or sees themselves as a man. Mm -hmm. It doesn't impact you really other than your little precious sensibilities. And they always talk about, you know, that's a kind of a, a right wing rallying cry is that uh, all the all the liberals are snowflakes and they'll melt in the slightest heat. But really, if you think about it, that's a very hypersensitive kind of position to take that someone else's sexuality or gender identity or race is so upsetting to you that you have to you have to take action against them, right? Or you have to complain about it. Just be a normal, decent person. Now, like anything else, you can go too far, right? Mm -hmm. You can go so far as to, you know, just make, like, it just becomes a little comical and unbearably complicated. And I do understand the uh, the uh, reasoning. You know, they're like, look, we have to get all, you know, hate speech out of our you know, out of our system, that's how we become better. But you, at a certain point, you get to the point where the solution is becoming problematic. And if you just go so far that you actually start hurting your ultimate goals, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's possible. And there are examples, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it, it, it can be both. It can be, it can be great. I mean, I think the fact that, it's it became uh, impolite and unacceptable to use the N word if you're a white person towards a a, a someone of color, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that that happened. Now, did that actually make those people not racist? No. See, that's the thing. And I was I was watching um, I was actually watching something on YouTube that included Jordan Jordan Peterson on a panel, and it was Jordan Peterson, Stephen Fry. Michael Eric Dyson, and um, he's a he's a, a, a vacuum cleaner guy. No, oh. he's a preacher um, for a, a black Baptist church, but then also I I, I believe he's also a professor. Um, and then Michelle Goldberg, who is a uh, seems to have been a, a seems to be a journalist, and then also perhaps in some way is involved in academia. And then, of course, Jordan Peterson is a, a psychology prof and then author. Um, and he worked out at University of Toronto, and everybody knows who Stephen Fry is. Yes. Um, and Stephen Fry is the one that he, the debate was meant to be about political correctness. And all it really was was Dyson and Goldberg attacking. Peterson just constantly everything like you said this you you know it's just it was ludicrous because they didn't really make a point for they were pro um, they were pro political correctness and and Stephen Fry and Jordan Peterson were were con and so they never never talked about really political correctness but Stephen Fry kept going up and saying I really wish we'd be able to talk about political correctness <laughs> And then at the end, he makes exactly the point that you've kind of come to, which is at a certain point, you know, it's all very nice and good to want to change this. And it, no one should. He's like, I'm not for calling people slurs and I'm not right. for hate speech. But he said at a certain point, this kind of heavy duty rhetoric and trying to uh, legislate what people say 
number one, doesn't change how they think. Right. And number two, can actually have the opposite effect that you're hoping that it will. Because people will then go, well, I'm being attacked and dig and dig in. And um, so I thought, so you, you've come to exactly the Stephen Fry point, which I feel like is the Goldilocks solution. Well, he's, he's quite brilliant. He is quite, he is quite <laughs> brilliant. I mean, he's a very, very gifted and intelligent individual. He is extremely, and you know, you, you just sat, you sat there and watched the whole thing and you thought, I wish I could be like him because he's very, very smart. Yes. And he, the difference between. And he has a great voice. And he has a terrific voice. He has an amazing command of the English language. Um, he he is an um, his vocabulary is astonishing and what was interesting is that you could he just was like weighty words lightly thrown right and um, Michael Eric Dyson who also had an amazing vocabulary but kind of beat you over the head with it right. it was kind of like so in your face and he was just using words to use words and you can tell the difference when someone right. is just you know comfortable using the Whatever, what it just not that he wasn't comfortable using that language, but it was just it just was so heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was quite an interesting it was quite an interesting debate, and I'm glad that you you came to the 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 same the same point it because it took me uh, five seconds to get to that. It point really did because I don't really uh, research and think about these things very carefully. But here is one Can of you? the questions that kept coming up in the debate, and. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about it, and it's it's this. Um, they kept challenging they kept challenging um, Fry and Peterson to sort of say, you know, what was wrong with the with the right because they were they were attributing the right with being sensitive. To, By the way, Stephen Fry is no conservative. Definitely right? not. I mean, he <laughs> said he said I I feel like everybody um, who knows me is going to say why on earth um, are you betraying yourself? Right. And he said, but I just don't believe that this is an effective way to stop something that's happening. That, that he says he's Jewish, and he said, you know, I don't want to be called a Jewish racial slur, and I don't want to be called, cause, and he's also gay, yes. and he said, I don't want to be called that slur, like a sexual um, orientation right. slur. But he said, I also understand why people feel really uncomfortable about being told what they can and cannot say. Right, and and I think the, the uh, approach is more correctly because as soon as you said it, when you try to legislate it that's obviously that's where it becomes problematic right mm -hmm. because now you're telling you're trying to give people legal consequences for their speech now in a teaching situation it depends on exactly how you're going to do it i'm okay with them telling their professors you're not allowed to treat the students in this way or that way Right. And that includes using racial epithets or sexist epithets because, you know, these people are here in our charge and they're not here to be abused, but but with racism or whatever, because imagine, you know, as you go down the grades a little bit. Right. At what point are you OK with them calling one of their student one of their students a racial epithet? Well, you wouldn't. But here's 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 Peterson's point in this. Um, and then and then I want to get to my other my other question. But Peterson's point in this is not, I won't call someone by their appropriate pronoun. He just doesn't want to be told. He doesn't to want do to be it. told he must because yeah, he sees again, that, that as a, a he sees that precious. as a slippery slope. Wow. He it, sees that as a slippery slope to 
So Sen- um, censoring what can and cannot be said by by me, the government. Allow me to briefly put on my philosophy hat. Yay! Because I know you this haven't is, worn it in a while. Yeah, these are always the <laughs> now, most. Is it the Kant hat or is this what is this Nietzsche? What no, which hat? No, this is my uh, just broad this is my philosophy. symbolic logic hat. Yeah, symbolic so logic. <laughs> but so anyway, uh, the people always people have have become more comfortable talking about logical fallacies in mm-hmm. the days of the internet, mm-hmm. right? Everybody knows... For those who don't know what that is. Well, get off my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a logical fallacy is a, a error in logic that someone has made that means that their conclusion does not follow from their premises. That doesn't mean their conclusion is wrong. It just means it doesn't follow. For example, right? You can say uh, all ravens are black. Ravens are birds. Therefore, all birds are black. Now, we know that's not correct. Well, logical fallacies give us a way to find the problem in that argument. But so people have gotten more comfortable with them. And, and a lot of these fallacies that you hear on the internet are informal fallacies. They're not really meant to examine syllogisms. They're just meant to mean your reasoning is a little shoddy, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the ones you'll hear most often is an ad hom, right? Mm-hmm. Ad hominem attack, which means basically, instead of arguing your opponent's position and mm-hmm. telling him how he's wrong, you called him an asshole. Right, like which you actually can't, happened in that. Oh yeah, it happened you last night in you that yeah. podcast we were guessing. But the but the fallacy is not that you called him an asshole. The fallacy is that you believe him being an asshole is the reason he's wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. Say, well, you're wrong because you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Now, person may very well be an asshole, but you're not really. You can't really use that as any kind of strong argument to mm-hmm. disprove his point. So the one, the reason I brought this up is the slippery slope. Now, the slippery slope is actually a logical fallacy, not a thing that happens, mm-hmm. right? And that means the, the slippery slope fallacy, and I hope I get it right or I'm going to be super embarrassed, but basically what it means is you take a uh, an act or a, a position and then you start increasing the severity of it and say, well, if that happens, then this will happen and this will happen. And eventually you've gone from a fairly minor... Uh, issue to the world is going to end. That is a slippery slope. You've slid down. You basically said that if you do that, the world is going to end. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fallacy, right? You have mm-hmm. to actually demonstrate that if this happens, really all these things will happen, but mostly they don't. Mm-hmm. So again, when we say, well, then it's a slippery slope to blah, blah, blah. What you're really saying is here's a logical fallacy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which I don't think was your intention. So, but it's funny that it, it's made its way into the language like that, right? Because now when people say slippery slope, they're not talking about the fallacy. They're saying, oh, no, that shit could happen. Mm-hmm. That, sl- that slope is slippery, and you're sliding right from rules about calling students' name to fascism, mm-hmm. right? So, again, um, I don't believe that that's the case. I think you can give okay, your but- employees reasonable 
rules on how they can address their but this students. this isn't the school mandating it. It's the government. I'm not certain yep, that's the case. It's the government. All right. Well, even that, and, and maybe they're state schools or whatever. It I don't is, know. It is the I don't government know if that's, mandating, it, saying you must, this is what you must do. And I think that it was actually, I think it was passed. And his point wasn't, like, I won't do this, but he was saying, look, this is the way. And yes, I think he is positing a slippery slope. Yes. But, it, but, in reality, you know, you don't, it's not like one day you, it, everything, that, that, it is a gradual progression. Because sure. if it's not, it's like, you know, it's like the um, frogs being boiled in water and it just keeps getting warmer and warmer and then they're dead. It's not. Hear that, buddy? <laughs> better watch your fucking step. She is a killer. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's the kind of frog that you would cook to eat. Ew. No. But anyway, um. It's it's like that though because it it happens gradually. You, it doesn't happen all at once. You don't you know don't wake up one one day and and you've got you know full concentration camps built in sure. Hitler. But you but you but then you can also have the opposite extreme example, right? You can say, well, if you tell me that I have to refer to my students by their pronouns, we're going to be in fascism pretty soon. Therefore, I want no strictures. What so. You can, of course, there can be problems with, you know, overly restricted, just, you know, fascist style uh, rules and regulations. But you can also go too far the other way, which is to say there are no restrictions. Say anything you want. You're protected. You can say horrible, horrible things to your students or maybe not even horrible things, but just speak in a way that constantly reminds them that they're not what you consider normal right and that's a horrible thing and the problem is is that and i don't know if canadian uh colleges work the same but once a professor gets tenure it's very difficult to do anything about their behavior right they're very they have very strong protections to keep their jobs and do we really want to subject our students to you know prejudice and discrimination when they're really there to learn now, yes, there certainly has to be a more open, free-flowing discussion in a university than there would be, say, in a high school. So I did experience something like this in graduate school, not as an undergrad, but in graduate school where um, – and I think that probably nowadays, because that was many, many years ago that I was in graduate school, I would say that um, it's, it's m multiplied – now well like what kind of things could you not discuss well it the the political correct needle politically correct needle had just started i mean you, it was you you obviously you couldn't no one was using racial slurs or anything like that but you really had to there was no space for any kind of conservative thinking there was no space for any kind of conservative or republican conversation did you go to college in heaven <laughs> no <laughs> i went to north carolina oh and i literally i mean in I think my, they would argue that is heaven. i uh, i well it really really was um i i had and i didn't have a problem with it because i, I lean left so it didn't bother me to hear this but it is the reality that i was in a pedagogy class um, and they were, someone said, now, how do I get, how do I get my message out? And we're like, well, what do you mean? What, you, what message? Well, you know, my political message. How do I, how do I get, how do I work that into the conversation? Literally quoting this guy verbatim. 
And, you know, and, and I, I said, I don't think that it's appropriate for you to insert some kind of political message into your class. That, that just seems really strange. That's not your job. Strange dude. to me yeah. that you would do that. So when when people say, gosh, you know, the 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 academy is left leaning, it it is left leaning. Um there's there there are arguments to be made that the academy is is so left leaning that they that it is actually it's postmodernist. That there is a a very and I I mean I saw a little bit of it in in when I was there when I was in history. I don't know what's happened now. Uh, but I definitely think definitely in the humanities, and uh, well, I mean for sure in the humanities, it's very very left leaning. I don't know about like the maths, but the but see that wasn't because somebody was regulating something. That's a trend in the academic world. Right? No, it is, and I think that the, I think that the left the right just said the. I, I, there was a certain point, I think, where, it, it, you know, and that wasn't like a literal handshake, but I think that the right saw that the left was going to take the academy, and they just kind of went, okay, that's fine, because I don't think that they realized how left it would become. It is pretty left. And now you have kids who are who are young kids who are going into universities, and they're looking for safe places, and they they can't tolerate the idea of having a debate or any kind of thing that they might not like to hear that would make them uncomfortable. But that's the point of university is to go and and have that experience and hear things that are not necessarily what you agree with. But you have to learn that, that you know, in the world, in the real world, there are going to be things that happen and that are that, right. that are but said. But that's what we were talking about going too far one direction, right? So the too far in one direction is, you know, stifling, competing ideas, you know, uh, pretending like certain political positions don't exist so they can't be discussed. Being told that you have to use a student's correct pronouns is not that. It's not. No, it's not. But what? But so but, don't cry about that, Jordan Peterson. I don't. Well, he, don't cry about that. He doesn't. He just cry doesn't if want they the, actually he do He just something. doesn't want the state to legislate it. He'll use the pronoun, the correct pronoun. He says he will. He would. He would. I feel really confident that he would. He. He's not. If you see him speak, he doesn't strike me as. The I feel kind of like. Person who I wouldn't. feel like if someone came up and said, uh, you know, he's in. He, person is in his class, and she. They go up to him and say, my pronouns are G, right? <laughs> I think he's going to roll his eyes. When does it Of course. I, already, I think I already said. When you have gone beyond, when you've gone to the point where you are now legislating against uh, uh, a political philo- discussion of a political philosophy or competing ideas or um, – you know, more than just, I guess, legislating, uh, you know, the correct use of, of gender pronouns and perhaps maybe, um, I don't even know, I don't even know what would be, on, be beyond that. It's theoretically possible. And I think, you know, you evaluate it when you see it and you decide, you know, is that productive and reasonable in a free society to legislate that? I don't think it, I mean, it's, it, you know, I know he's trying to, kind of die on this hill with this principle, but I don't think that's the right fight to pick mm-hmm. because you say, hey, I'm going to use them anyway. Okay, then use them. Don't cry about being told, hey, you should use them. 
Because that's just good advice. His, and again, I, I get it. His point is, I would use them anyway. I don't need the state to legislate this. This is a, that is a slippery slope to, you know, snuffing out right to free speech. Maybe, or maybe it's not, right? Because. Where does it stop? Have they, have they passed, have have they passed, have they passed a uh, more restrictive law since then? No, this one is still just getting passed, but now the precedent will be set. The precedent will be there, and then they, and then what? I don't. I and honestly, I have to check into it. And I, I suspect that uh, professors have been restricted on what they can say. This is not the first time, right? I don't think this is the first time professors have ever been told what they can by the can, government. Can't say. Yeah, I don't think this is the first time. Hmm. Maybe the first time in Canada, right? Our government, you mean, has has yeah, legislated I, I something about? I well, be I mean, I'm sure that there's a hate speech. Yeah. Thing that yeah. you can't you can't right. do. Right. So but that's I mean, pretty reasonable. Okay, I think. but I just, I don't know. I just so think like that let me ask you this: uh, What if a professor decides, you know what, I'm going to teach Holocaust denial? <laughs> well, that would be very problematic. Yeah, but I mean, and also historically also, inaccurate. So well, someone, but but, it, but right, but I mean, you're you're restricting his. But I speech. mean, you, but would you call in the state? To legislate that, or would you just handle that at the so university level? So what if you level? had so one? Uh, let's say there's three schools and three profe- three different professors at those schools have decided. You know what? At the time is right. Holocaust denial. <laughs> so school one says, uh, "No, we have a rule. You cannot teach Holocaust denial as a factual matter, and uh, you'll get fired if you do that." Mm-hmm. School two does nothing. So yeah, teach it. Whatever. And school three, the government says, well, let's say all three schools just say, you know, do, teach it if you want. Do, you don't think the government has an interest in saying, hey, you know what? These are state schools. We're funding this. You can't teach Holocaust denial as a fact in these schools. Sure. But it's, a, you know, is that the same thing as no, I'm just mandating saying, a, a The principle is the same, right? Because you're telling them what they can and can't say. Right. But it's just a matter of where it is on the scale. So obviously telling them they can't teach Holocaust denial as a true fact in a university course in the country of Canada. That doesn't seem that egregious to me. And I don't think that necessarily leads to uh, you can't teach uh, uh, communist philosophy. Right. Political philosophy, like you can't teach. Oh that. no, they'd be all for the at the at, or, at the academy. Or, they'd be absolutely one hundred percent into the idea of teaching Marx and neo Marxism. Right, but that's not my point. The academy my, would be my point, all over that. My point is that's not the same thing, right? Okay, or teaching whatever uh, Stalinism. They'd also be all over that. They'd say it was a terrible, terrible mis, and they do teach it. That's a, well, of course they history. do. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course they do. So, but the question, I mean, the, the point is, is that that's not, you know, that's just because you've said you can't teach the Holocaust as true fact, right? Which I think is in the probably in the best interest of the state, um, especially if multiple no, that universe, it's not true. You mean? Yeah. No, you can't teach it as if it's true, right? You can't say Holocaust denial. Right. You can't teach Holocaust denial as if right. that is true, right? That, that's my point. So, um, you know, I, I just don't – I don't think that that's 
I don't think that's a step too far. Now, if they start saying, you know, you can't teach the Civil War or you can't teach uh, the origins of slavery having to do with a country other than the United States, right, or other races, whatever. As long as you're teaching something that's, you know, an, of academic interest and, you know, you're an expert in the field and you're, you know, teaching it more or less accurately, that's, you know, that should be fine. And I don't think you're going to see legislation saying, by the way, you have to teach X, Y, and Z. Now, we do have governments in this country on a very small scale dictate what can be taught for a political agenda, right? School, the, the fight over textbooks in this country in places like Texas, Missouri, um, I'm sure there's other places. At the state level. State and local level, right? To say, no, we have to teach a more patriotic version of history, mm-hmm. right? And that is actually pretty insidious, if you think about it. They're, they're saying you have to teach this a certain way to, you know, grind our particular political acts. Or even worse, I've heard that one or two municipalities in the history of this great country have tried to change the way we teach science. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. The right? evolution. So, so that's, that's definitely a step too far, right? First of all, they're wrong. Secondly... You know, that's just incredibly heavy-handed to try to impose a religious viewpoint on an, a uh, on a school. So I would definitely draw the line there, right? But I don't think you I don't think that you draw the line at calling kids the the gender that they that they prefer. I don't think that's a problem or by not calling children but see, it's a free, uh, racial epithet. I don't know. It's a free speech thing. I understand. It is it. a free speech thing, but we restrict free speech all the time, especially for people who are teaching our children. Right. right. I know. I get it, and I and I do. But I I I I have to say that I understand his side of it. I don't know. You know, it seems to me because again. I, I lean left and it makes sense to me. Like, what does it matter? Why does anybody even have to? It's ridiculous that the, that the government even has to step in. People should just be doing this, right? This is just a kind thing and the right thing to do. It shouldn't have to have the government come in. There's no reason that the government should have to, to move on something like this. The fact that they do because people are dicks and they're, they're not going to call people by their right pronouns or the pronouns that make them feel comfortable you know, so remove Jordan Peterson from the equation, right? Because he has claimed that he will call his students by the pro- their pronouns of choice, and let's take him at his word. There are definitely professors who would refuse to, though, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, logic. But would... the thing is, is that how often do you call someone by their third person? Right, not pronoun? very often. In right. fact, you know, if I were a teacher and I really had a big problem with it, just call them by their name. Yeah. Right, that's easy. Or just hey you, whatever, you know, doesn't matter. <laughs> well, because but, you wouldn't. But say, there are hey. definitely. I'm sure that there are people in academia who would be who on upon being told, hey, my pronoun is whatever this is, be like, I'm not doing that ridiculousness, right? By and large, I think most of academia, honestly, would be like, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, well, and I think most would, but there are some who definitely would not. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what... There's no chance that the that the world of academia, as left-leaning as it is, is monolithically liberal. There, I know for a fact there are conservative professors. I've had them. 
Well, and probably in certain uh, sciences and and, um, in maths and things, maybe. I don't know. But I know certainly for sure in the humanities. I have never met a humanities professor who's not liberal. Well, I mean, you know, you can always just say that reality has a liberal bias. All right. Let's do social media. Um, we are at social media on Facebook. Um, our group is Extemporaneous with an X. Instagram is at Extemporaneous Pod. That's X-T-E-M-P-O-Raneous Pod. And you can email us at extemporaneouspod at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, we would appreciate hearing from you um, in our email. All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much for coming back and listening to us each week. We really appreciate it. Bye. Peace.